I'm Laura Farrar. On today's episode of Capital and Scott, we are talking teacher shortages. Droves of teachers retired or left the field altogether during and after the COVID-19 pandemic. The National Education Association estimates there was a shortage of more than 300,000 teachers and staff across the United States. Districts in Arkansas have also been struggling. Some in the industry have described the shortages here as severe. Data from the Arkansas Department of Education indicates the worst teacher shortfalls are in rural areas. Shay Loring is the Director of Secondary Education with the Little Rock School District, and Jennifer Cobb is the Executive Director for City Year Little Rock. They both joined me to discuss teacher vacancies and efforts to try to recruit more people to the field. Shay and Jennifer, welcome to the program today. If you guys wouldn't mind starting out, just talking a little bit about what you all do in education in Arkansas. Uh, Jennifer, you're with City Year. Would you mind uh, talking a little bit about the programs you have here in the state and what what you all do? I'm happy to share. City Year Little Rock was founded in 2004, and we are one of 29 City Year sites across the country. City Year is an AmeriCorps organization. We recruit young adults ages 17 to 25 who then become AmeriCorps members, and we recruit them to be student success coaches in third through ninth grade classrooms. I like to say that we're an extra set of hands and an extra heart in the classroom. We do not teach um, nor really, you know, run a classroom, but we work with partner teachers to do push-in tutoring and pull-out tutoring, and we run after-school programs. So the whole goal is to keep kids on track to graduation. Great. And Shay, you're with Little Rock School District. Uh, What does your daily uh, job look like? Daily job is different every day, but uh, my title, official title, is Executive Director for Teaching and Learning, and this year I am also heading the Secondary Education Department, which is all of our secondary schools, middle school and high school. Great. So... I think that everyone is aware that uh, nationwide there's an issue with teacher shortages. I've seen statistics that range from 30,000 to even higher than that. I'm not sure there's sort of an accurate number that we know for sure out there. What is the situation like now that you all are at least seeing in your in Little Rock School District and maybe hearing about around Arkansas, how, how dire is it here? Well, I hate the word dire. I'm going to be honest because I always try to be hopeful. Uh, I think that the teacher shortage is mirroring the shortage that we're seeing across the country in multiple industries. And it's not just teachers. Um, It's just in our industry, period. There are shortages of qualified candidates for positions in every area. Um, same thing we're seeing in stores, in businesses and industries. I uh, can't really pinpoint a cause, but it's really mirroring what we're seeing in industries across the country. Uh, would you agree with that, with, Jennifer, with the, your AmeriCorps members? Um, have things shifted in terms of the roles that they play like in the classrooms and on campuses? Well, we're lucky in that they can't shift too far. We have an AmeriCorps grant that we have to work within uh, the confines of. However, I will say that, um, and Shay, you and I were visiting about this earlier last year and during COVID, 
the main crisis was teacher outage when teachers um, had to be in quarantine or, you know, and, and that ranged from 10 days in the early uh, months of the pandemic to five days. But that still left vacancies in classrooms. And what we saw as we served in schools was that created inconsistencies and a little bit more chaos for children. So children were experiencing chaos in their homes and school is consistent and a structure and a schedule. And yet the pandemic was causing so many teacher outages that it it often felt very inconsistent. Classrooms were crowded or there were long-term subs and that provided a little bit more chaos in schools than, uh, than anyone would like. Now this year, thankfully, we're not quarantining as, as frequently and there aren't any teacher outages, but there are, we are feeling the pinch of teacher vacancies. Classrooms are still crowded and that is, allowing us to work with more children. So if we want to look on the bright side, as Shay said, we do get the chance to work with even more children in a classroom with our partner teachers. I think that the challenge then becomes, how are we going to, it's not, there's no no short-term fix. How are we going to get people back in the pipeline? How are we going to recruit them into the field of teaching? And how do we, How do we all work together to ensure that schools have what they need? What was it about COVID that's changed things, do you think? Before what uh, COVID started March 2020, what were were teaching vacancies looking like then? And what was maybe fueling that then? And then fast forward to September 2022, how has the landscape changed over the past couple of years? I think pre-COVID, teacher vacancies looked pretty much like what you would expect. You would lose some teachers for um, family or personal reasons. Some teachers left the profession for retirement. Others left the classroom for advanced opportunities still in the area of education. Um, Some got opportunities or maybe spouses had opportunities out of the state. So just the, the normal reasons that one might leave the classroom. For me, I feel like the pandemic has had very similar effects that you'll see in areas that had some type of natural disaster. We were just before coming on talking about Katrina. Well, you have the event, um, the hurricane or the pandemic, and then you have all of the ripple effect and the aftermath of it. And I think the teacher, teacher shortage is part of the aftermath of the pandemic. And oftentimes you really don't know how different areas of what quote unquote normal life was prior to this event are going to be impacted. So it's surprising for me, but it's it's not um, an anomaly. It's happening in stores, it's happening in the flight industry. They have shortages of flight attendants, of pilots. And so it really is causing us to look at what 
exactly about this event is causing these particular things to happen in the aftermath as we're coming out of the crisis mode we've kind of been in for the last two years. And do you think you have answers to that at this point? I mean, obviously, there's just myriad issues, online teaching, switching from virtual to in-classroom to dealing with the um, angry parents. Uh, It's a huge issue that I've heard other teachers around the country talking about. Uh, More mental health issues appearing among students who maybe have more of a fragile home life or have experienced deaths of family members. There just seems to be so much that's kind of come to the surface. Is what answers are you getting at this point? So a lot of the things that you mentioned are not new issues in education. These are things that we've dealt with forever. It's just that they have been exacerbated by the pandemic. And so we have things or have had things, virtual instruction, online teaching is not new. It's just being expanded. It's been expanded. Mental health in schools and mental health support in schools is not new. A need for um, social workers and social programming in schools is also not new. It's just the need is greater. So um, one, we do have some answers, and one of the answers is to expand on programming that was existing in the buildings and then improve on that programming. We learned a lot of things through the pandemic as well. Many, many teachers are more, much, much more technology savvy and know a whole lot more about how to tap into local resources that are provided by the city and by the state and by volunteer organizations that we didn't really think about before because it wasn't such a great need. So I think that's one of the immediate things that we've learned in solutions is how to tap into services and support that were already available that we just may not have needed as on as a large of scale as we do now. Sure. I, what, sorry, go ahead, Jennifer. Well, I was going to add to that. We at City Year have always focused on attendance, behavior, and course grades, the ABCs, because it's education. And I think prior to the pandemic, we were very focused on literacy and math skills. Now we are pivoting our focus. We are still tutoring literacy in ELA. We are still tutoring in math, but we're placing a greater importance on the social emotional learning and making those connections with students. So our whole school, whole child program means that, you know, we greet the carpool line and the buses and we're high-fiving kids, and we're looking them in the eye, and we're saying, hey, welcome to school. We are so happy you're here. We're holding doors. We're talking to parents. And it's about building connections, and it's about restoring the, the safety and the connection of the school and the culture of the school. And so that is becoming more and more important for us. And we're still training our student success coaches to do the tutoring and to meet the curriculum needs of the schools where we serve. But we're also giving them support in understanding trauma-informed care and how to recognize perhaps trauma in themselves and also trauma in the students that they're dealing with. Um, If I may tell a quick story, last year, one of our core members was sitting down with a student to do some tutoring, and she immediately noticed that the student was quieter, a little bit more shut down, and she just was seeing some red flags and some signals of, you know, a bad mood and and maybe something had happened. And so she stopped, she closed the book, and she said, you know what, we're not going to do this right now. Do you want to talk to me about what's going on? I'm here if you want to listen. And the student just opened up 
and was talking about some things that were happening at home. She had just had a fight with her best friend in the classroom. She was feeling, you know, unhappy about that. And just our core member holding that space for that elementary student to talk and understand that there's another adult in this building that cares about me and wants me to be well and wants me to succeed. And after, I mean, it was probably, you know, five, seven minutes, wasn't long, but after that moment, they were able to refocus and get the tutoring session done, and it was probably a lot more productive. And so, not only be, not only only helping with the children who are course a few course grades behind, but really looking at the students who continue to have behavioral problems, continue to have chronic absenteeism. We can step in and help at the schoolhouse level identify and address some of those issues, as you said, that have been exacerbated. They've always existed, but they've just been exacerbated in the face of the pandemic. Sure. And Shay, maybe that's what you were referring to as some of the programming and resources that teachers or other employees within the district are tapping into that might sort of ease the burden a bit and make the job a little bit easier than it was over the course of the pandemic. Is, is that correct? Absolutely. And not just resources for our students, but also resources for our teachers. It's really causing us in a lot of ways to rethink um, how we did school. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was a principal um, when the pandemic started. And so we started school differently. We incorporated things like meditation, cool down spaces for students, a safe space for teachers to help with the stress, to help with emotions, anxiety, those type things, which are things that we didn't do prior to the pandemic, but for a large scale. We had those things available for small groups of students that were targeted for behavior support or mental health support. We expanded those programs to include the entire building. So our school developed a partnership, for example, with Yoga Arkansas. So they came in and helped our teachers learn how to do stretches and stress relief things for themselves, but also for their students. And then they also came in and participated in our after-school program, providing additional support. We expanded our partnerships with places like Living Hope or the Pat Center to provide additional counselors, social worker supports in our building. Also, um, non-instructional needs for families that needed food, that needed housing assistance, that needed additional mental health care or support, who just needed general health care and support, tapping into government agencies, city agencies, and support groups to come just provide that information. Because a lot of people who didn't need those things before the pandemic found themselves in need of those things and didn't know where to get them. So school is a place that everybody comes. So how can we bring that information here to our school building so that parents don't have to go out into the community looking for things? We can provide information and support for some of those things here in at school for your students and information for things that you would need outside of the school day. So for our listeners who maybe don't have children um, and are just kind of curious about the the sheer day in and day out operations of, say, Little Rock School District, you know, starting the year, I don't know if you know data specifically, but 
you know, what were you what were you all looking at? Did you have like, oh my gosh, you know, like 20 vacancies, 50 vacancies on a daily basis? Are you struggling to find substitute teachers? Are there teachers who aren't qualified to teach? Say, I've heard some, there's, there's some issues with like matching teachers with subjects who are qualified to teach. And I'm not trying to paint a doom and gloom picture, but realistically, like, what is it actually like right now? So um, again, I, and I don't want to keep saying the same thing over, but a lot of the problems we have now have just become bigger. We've always had, for many, many years, teacher shortages in what we call critical needs areas. They've just become more critical. Those are things like science, math, uh, special education, uh, foreign language in recent years has become another critical needs area. And it's, I think some of that's been caused by the pandemic, but those are areas that if you statistically, people are going into those, that are going into education are going into those areas less and less for a variety of reasons. You know, I'm an English teacher by trade, math's kind of hard for a lot of many people. So some people don't want to enter into that particular profession. So those areas are still critical needs areas for us and districts across the country. It has become harder to find qualified teachers in those areas because fewer people are entering teacher education programs in those areas. So it's not necessarily a district problem um, so much as a um, profession issue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so there are a variety of ways that that's being addressed. Even through the state of Arkansas, they're expanding their non-traditional programs. They are expanding how teachers can earn certifications. Traditionally, there were some teacher areas that you could only test that you could test into where there were other areas that you had to go back and complete additional teacher education programs for. So the state and um, the Department of Higher Ed is addressing some of those things to help alleviate some of that strain that's being caused by the lack of teachers entering those fields on districts. So that's one major thing. The other thing is also coming up with additional programming at the high school level to recruit or um, expand interest of students that are in high school to go into teacher education programs in the first place. That number has dwindled over the years as well, Um, especially with the push on computer science and technology. We just have fewer people entering teacher education programs, which then causes us to have fewer people coming into the profession. So looking at ways to expand our pool again, um, I know there are the universities in the state are revamping a lot of their teacher ed programs. Jennifer was just talking to us about a, a teacher program that is coming through city year so that we're having more avenues for teachers to enter the profession, which will help expand our pool. Yeah, and Jennifer, if you want to jump in here and talk about what you all are planning to do with trying to recruit uh, some of your members or even sure. non-members to, to come into the teaching pipeline. Sure. Traditionally, City Year AmeriCorps members, while we have always recruited uh, young adults ages 17 to 25, they've mostly been on the high end. So they're coming to us with a two-year or a four-year degree, and it might be uh, you know some time off before they go into the classroom, go into the profession, go back to grad school, that type of thing. And we've recruited nationally. 
and uh, had some wonderful young adults move to our community and stay here. We've shifted our recruitment uh, in the last couple of years, in the last year, actually, and we're really focusing on those juniors and seniors, Shay, like you mentioned, in the schools where we serve. So we are trying to get them interested in national service, and it's uh, we have 50% of our core members this year are high school grads from the Little Rock School District, which is really exciting. And they, several of them are interested in becoming teachers. And so we're in the a year zero, if you will, of planning and building a teaching fellowship program so that these students who are with us, these core members who are with us this year can come back for a second year of service at City Year. And at the end of that second year of service, they will have um, alternate certification. So whether that is through a four-year program, and it will be for these high school kids, kids, I refer to them as kids, they are young adults, they are core members who are doing wonderful service. And then we are also offering, hopefully, um, a path to a master's for any one of our core members who already have a bachelor's who want alternate certification, a faster path to the classroom. We're thrilled to be able to, to offer that and hope to be able to really recruit on that program in January when we get it built. But the exciting thing to me is that we are teaching this new set of leaders how to work across lines of difference, how to put service above self. And I believe that's what it takes to be a teacher, both of those things. And here we are starting at 18 and 19 and we're funneling them into the classroom. And hopefully in a few years, we will see that students graduating from Parkview, Hall, Central, Southwest will end up in classrooms in the very high schools that they graduated from. So that's our goal. We'll be right back with more Capital and Scott. Hi, this is Laura Farrar. The stories we dive into on Capitol and Scott are just a fraction of the reporting the Democrat Gazette brings to readers every day. If you'd like to support our commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras like this podcast, all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to Capital and Scott. Teacher salaries are low here. I've seen billboards in Arkansas saying come to Dallas, minimum uh, starting salary 55000 or something along those lines for, for K-12 educators. In this day and age, with everything we're hearing about all the stress from COVID, I mean, I have a friend who's a teacher and she can't wait to retire. She's so exhausted from the pandemic. What do you, how do you incentivize? Uh, salary has to be one component. Um, are there creative strategies to use at this point? And how do you not lose teachers to other states that also need them and might, might pay them more as well? Well, most people are working because they have to, including me. Um, most people don't just work for, to do things they love. So salaries are 
always a consideration in any profession, but I think the important thing is to work with teachers and work to create a program and an environment where people want to come to work. That's my focus, is how do we, um, especially in my role in teaching and learning, how do I support teachers? How do I make this critical work easier, um, more doable, more feasible for our teachers? Because it is hard. I say that. It's it's hard work. This is my 21st year in education, and it doesn't get easier. Um, it also doesn't get less rewarding for me. And that is why I'm in the profession. I did not become a teacher to be rich. If that was my goal, I may have been done something else, but it was to positively impact children, especially children who may not have any other pathway to being a successful or responsible, healthy adult if they don't get it at school. So um, it is helping teachers tap into those things and also providing as much support and relief as we can in those things that occur in our profession that sometimes make teaching more difficult, right? How do we ease workload? How do we ease requirements and responsibilities where we can in districts? Because some of those things are outside of our control, but how do we provide the best support, the best environment to work in, and compensate teachers in other ways in addition to what they may be receiving in their salaries. Wrapping up, are you all hearing or seeing any discussions about more creative solutions to try to address this issue? I had a conversation this morning about artificial intelligence and other industries that have lost a lot of workforce, hospitality, food and beverage, commerce, et cetera. Teaching is not really one of those uh, industries where you can have a, a learning type machine teach students. There's a lot of soft, social, emotional stuff that you know can't happen. However, we have seen this big pivot to online learning over the past couple of years. Can that somehow augment the the fact that we're, we're still needing some more teachers? Are you seeing anything in that line of thinking with other, other alternatives that might inv- involve more online learning? I think online learning is a great opportunity for students and teachers that are a fit. For that, I am still a diehard educator, and I think there's no replacement for a high-quality teacher in a classroom with kids. And so um, most of the conversations that I'm involved in, maybe it's because of my position on it, is how do we nurture and retain the teachers that we have, and how do we encourage and influence teachers to um, both traditional and non-traditional. I am a non-traditional educator, um, this is not my first profession, to enter into our field, to see the value in it. How do we advocate for not only students, but for teachers to get the things that they need so that they can in turn provide the things that students need? I'll add one thing that has been great for City or AmeriCorps members in terms of online learning. We serve in schools every day. And that does, by nature, limit the students that we can impact because it's typically the students that are at the schools where we serve. However, during COVID, the district instituted a homework hotline, which is virtual, and it opens in the afternoons, earlier for elementary school kids, later for middle and high school kids. And our core members have been able to pitch in and be a part of that. 
And so watching our core members get to build relationships, albeit virtually on Zoom, um, get, get to build relationships and help children from throughout the district, they've really been able to widen their impact because of those online tutoring and learning platforms. So I would say that's one way we've really benefited. And I think the students of the Little Rock School District had benefited. That's one thing that I think the district will keep from COVID and a really great tool that they've put in place that's open to every student in the district. Great. Well, Jennifer Cobb and Shay Loring, thank you guys very much for joining us today. It's been great. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having me. Thanks. A National Education Association survey of more than 3,000 educators found that 67% said burnout is a very serious issue. More than half said they plan to leave or retire sooner because of the pandemic. That study was released in January. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.